0: Today's scripture reading is from Esther 4, verses 6 through 11. Hathage went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa, for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathach went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king, Inside the inner court, without being called, there is but one law, to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the gold scepter, so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these thirty days. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, regeneration. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be with you here in person and see so many of you, though I do have to admit it adds a little bit of pressure to be able to see whether or not I'm actually keeping your attention. Uh, before we get into the lesson today, I just want to take a, a moment to open in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for your blessings, and thank you for the time that we're able to come together, both in person and virtually to, to worship you, Lord, and spend time in your word. Lord, I ask that your word be written on our hearts, and that these lessons be things that we can turn to in all of our moments of need. So Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your son. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I think we can all agree that sometimes in the moment, it isn't easy to see how God is using external or internal circumstances in our life. We sometimes sit up and ask ourselves, where is God in a situation? Maybe we we can look back and, and we can see how things were used to draw us into certain situations and opportunities, but often in the moment, we aren't able to see God. One of the books that I find the most interesting in the Bible is the book of Esther. It's notable that Esther is only one of two books in the Bible about women, Ruth being the other one. Esther is also one of the only books in the Bible that doesn't mention God by name. Song of Solomon's the other one. I think the absence of God here is intentional. I think it's a strategy on the writer's path to draw the reader to think deeply about how life's circumstances are ordered and orchestrated to a divine purpose. Before we get into the book that I, I'm talking about today, I wanna to give you a little bit of background on where we are entering the story. So through the Bible, I'm sure many of us have at least read some of it, uh, we have seen how the Babylonian and Assyrian empires took God's people into exile. And as the Persian Empire spread across the world, it became more and more difficult for God's people to maintain their Jewish identity. Esther takes place during the rule of uh, Ahasuerus, uh, who among others has been identified as King Xerxes, who many of us are familiar with the the Battle of Thermopylae. So this is King Xerxes. We're going to refer to him as Ahasuerus throughout the the story that we're reading. And so there were many Jews who, who questioned or lost their faith during these times, but God had promised to, remain, to, to maintain a remnant of his people. And so faithful Jews passed down their heritage and faith to new generations of children all throughout their exile and Esther was one such child. Her Hebrew name, which she was born with, was Hadassah, which is Myrtle, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but her name was changed to Esther to hide her identity upon becoming queen of Persia. The three-letter root of Esther in Hebrew is STR, meaning to hide or conceal, which, if you ask me, if you're trying to hide your identity, naming yourself concealed kind of seems like a bad idea, but that's not my place to say. So she was an orphan, and she was raised by her cousin Mordecai. In addition to her difficult family situation, Esther belonged to an immigrant family, which means she was part of a religious, racial, and cultural minority. The dominant culture in Persia was so unfriendly to Jews that Mordecai and Esther felt the need to hide their cultural identity. Esther knew what it meant meant to be an outsider. Esther was taken from Mordecai as a young girl, selected for her physical beauty, and exploited by King Xerxes, or Ahasuerus, who was the world's most powerful ruler at the time. She was forced into a marriage to a violent and unstable man. So one of Ahasuerus' closest advisors, Haman, hated Mordecai, and he hated the Jews. And Haman convinced the king that the resistance of some Jews to embrace Persian culture was a threat to the Persian way of life. And that's where we're going to jump in here. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there's a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed amongst the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people, and they do not keep the king's laws so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will play 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasuries. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the, the Agigite, I can never pronounce that word, the son of Hamadotha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money is given to you, the people also, to do with them as seems good to you. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the 13th day of the first month, and an edict, according to all that Haman had commanded, was written to the king's satraps and to the governors all over the provinces and to the officials of all the people, to every province in its own script and every people in its own language. It was written in the name of King Ahasuerus and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instruction to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women, children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. So here, Haman used his proximity to the king to provoke him into signing an edict that called for the extermination of the Jewish people throughout the Persian Empire. The date was set when the Persian military and citizenry would be mobilized to kill all the Jews in every city and every province in the kingdom. So Mordecai, Esther, and the Jewish people, they they faced certain doom. There appeared to be no way out and no way to change their circumstances. They grieve and they agonize for themselves and their people. Yet God had a plan and they all had a part to play. So this is Esther 4, 6 through 11. Hathach went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree uh, issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathach went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come to the king for these thirty days." Upon hearing Haman's plan for the extermination of the Jews, which had been sanctioned by the king, Mordecai wept and mourned in the streets of the king's gate. He needed to grab Esther's attention and to propose a plan for their salvation. And once she noticed Mordecai, she sent an attendant to find out what was wrong. When Esther received the plan, she was immediately confronted with her risk. No other Jew had access or a relationship with the king. So she was the best candidate to secure the Jews' survival. However, the king was not aware that Esther was a Jew. So she would be exposing herself. Furthermore, to enter the presence of the king without being invited was to invite death upon oneself. So certainly she had a great fear for the risks she was facing. But there was also a great opportunity of faith standing in front of her. Risk invites great discomfort as well as great faith. For Esther, the pathway to secure her people's rescues ran directly through her risk. And that's God's standard operating procedure. The salvation of God's people comes with great risk and through great faith. The greater the salvation, the greater the risk. So it would have been easy here for Esther to take comfort in her safety in the palace. Who would wanna risk the comfort uh, for the potential of death? The pull of comfort is amplified by the risk and the great risk that she faces, but the power and work of God can overcome the most desperate situations in front of or inside of us. So Esther was being asked, even called, to take courageous risk and to exhibit a better comfort that would come from entrusting herself into the hands of God. Her risk would be noble and beautiful because it wasn't only for her sake, it was for the sake of her people. She would need to forgo the comfort of the palace, need to forgo the comfort of her safety, and the comfort of her privilege to identify with her people while death hung over all their heads. I think it's easy for some of us sometimes to not be aware of our own risk and our faith that we take at times. Sometimes we hide ourselves, we don't admit where we truly stand, but we have people like Esther to turn to and say, hey, in the face of adversity, large or small, takes acts of great faith. And they told Esther, we're going to read Esther 4, 12 through 16 now, and they told Mordecai what Esther had said. And then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai and Esther seemed to find themselves in the right places at the right time, and what seemed to be happenstance on the surface was actually the hand of God. Beautiful Esther came of age at a time when the king of Persia was looking for a new queen, and he found one in Esther whom he loved. A dutiful Mordecai happened to find himself in a position to overhear a plot to kill the king, and through his connection with Esther, he was able to warn the king and thwart the plans for his assassination. But now facing extermination, Mordecai saw Esther's position as the wise and timely hand of God for the salvation of the Jewish people. So regarding the salvation and protection of the Jewish people, it's no coincidence that Esther's birth name was Hadassah or Myrtle after the Myrtle tree. So myrtle trees have been mentioned in the Old Testament in Isaiah 41.19 and 55.13 and refer to the divine establishment of the people in the land in subjugation to God. As an evergreen, fragrant shrub associated with peace, the myrtle is a fitting symbol of the recovery and establishment of God's promises to the Jewish people. And to this day, it's still celebrated every year during the Feast of Purim. So the outworking of the hand of God in the present often looks like happenstance. But in hindsight, we see his wisdom, rule, and care. God arranged for Mordecai to be honored for saving the king at a time and in a way that dealt a crushing blow to wicked Haman's pride and plan. And all part, and it was all part of God's masterful rescue. God was actively working with and through his people to accomplish his plan, Mordecai affirmed his faith in God's rule when he declared the certainty of deliverance for the Jewish people, whether or not Esther acted. So Mordecai knows whether Esther does what he needs her to do, God's still going to find ways to work through his people to drive this deliverance forward. So Esther calls for a fast so the Jews could seek the face of God for the favor of God Even in exile, under oppression for the sins, the people collectively cried out in hope that God, who sees, hears, and cares, would rescue them, and he did. So Esther 7, 3 through 6, the Queen Esther answered, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleased the king, let my life be granted me for my wish and my people for my request. For we have been sold... I and my people to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slave men and women, I would have been silent, for our affliction is not to be compared with the loss to the king. Then King Ahasuerus said to the queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who has dared to do this? And Esther said, A foe, an enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. So the conclusion of Esther's story is filled with abundant grace. The bare minimum for a happy ending would have been for the safety of Esther and her people, even as slaves. But after finding favor with the king and approaching him and making her request to him, the pagan king of Persia responded graciously. He punishes Haman, destroys the architect of the Jews' destruction, and then promotes both Esther and Mordecai within the kingdom. And finally, he paves the way for Esther and Mordecai to protect their people, granting Mordecai the signet ring that had been used to sign their fate away. And with the ring, Mordecai turned the tables on the Jews' enemies, giving the Jews the freedom to defend themselves and destroy their attackers, which they did. Neither Esther nor Mordecai asked for the riches that they received, but the king saw fit within his power and generosity to pour out this grace upon them, which was actually God working in the shadows of this pagan king's heart. These abundant blessings extended past this moment and continued for the rest of their lives and for the benefit of countless others. Similarly, God blessed us beyond the bare minimum in the gospel. At the cross, Christ emptied sin and death of its power, but he doesn't just pay our debt. He's given us new and eternal life. By faith in him, we receive a tremendous outpouring of grace for all of our lives and for the benefit of countless others as we share this good news. Throughout the Bible, God's sovereignty is displayed alongside the actions of people in other words, God works in and through human choices to accomplish his purposes. I'm reminded of Romans eight twenty eight, uh, And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This principle is woven throughout Esther's account. Neither Esther nor Mordecai attained their positions or access to political power by accident. God put them there on purpose. Even though God had appointed Esther to be queen, she still had to make a personal choice to exercise faith and courage in order to fulfill her part of God's plan. And this was her defining moment as an individual, and her choice carried massive consequences that extended far beyond what she could possibly imagine. Her life was at stake, but so was the fate of Jewish people everywhere. Waiting, as Esther did, provides a window into our hearts and an opportunity to exercise faith. And Esther demonstrates what waiting well looks like. So after hearing back from Mordecai, Esther determined to go to the king, even if it was against the law to do so, but she waited for three days. In her waiting, she wasn't attempting to force God's hand to do something else, but rather to seek his face. To this end, she called for a fast, Often when we think of fasting, we lock in on what we're abstaining from, but not what we're chasing after. At every passing mealtime, Esther and the people were reminded that it is God, not bread, who sustains life. Remember, I am the bread of life. So they were compelled to ask him to sustain theirs through miraculous rescue. I think Esther's story can sound a little bit like a fairy tale. Here's this orphan plucked out of anonymity, made the queen. She has to save her people, right? It's ripe for a Disney reimagining. But I think we have to resist the urge to put Esther in some fantastical world, removing her from reality. She was a minority woman from an oppressed people in a foreign place facing real danger. And yet she helped deliver her people from death. And her story was recorded in scriptures. In a grander way, she stood in the shadow of the cross, pointing to an even better rescue and rescuer, Jesus. At the pleasure of her king, Esther survived. At the pleasure of his father, Jesus was crushed for our sake. Esther risked her life for her people. Jesus laid down his for the salvation of sinners. In the fullness of time, great grace was shown to us in Christ. In many ways, the book of Esther resembles our, our lives. We may find it hard to identify the miraculous God encounters of Abraham or Moses. We haven't seen, or at least I haven't, maybe you have, haven't seen fire fall from the sky like Elijah. We haven't killed a giant in battle like David, but many of us have felt marginalized and forgotten like Esther. And because of that, her life story shows us that in the midst of chaotic, difficult, and overwhelming circumstances in life, we are not alone. God is there with power and a plan and a part for us to play. In fact, God had orchestrated the events in her life, even the sad and tragic, terrible moments that led to her being an orphan, so that she would be in a position to make a difference for his sake. The Bible indicates that God is doing the same in all of our lives. God is weaving the events of our lives, even the difficult and painful ones, to prepare us and position us for usefulness in his kingdom. And yet we still have to make real choices that really matter. And our decisions to be obedient and faithful and to seize our defining moments can have ripples and consequences far beyond what we can see or imagine. I mentioned that God is not mentioned in the book of Esther, but he thunders through the book. There are no miracles in the book of Esther, but the whole thing is a miracle, a divine providence. People, places, time, action, it's more than miraculous. Not Haman, not Satan using Haman could destroy the people of God, could put an end to the Abrahamic and Davidic promises, to the promises of preservation of the nation for the coming Messiah and the ultimate salvation of Israel. No one, no matter how they attempt to destroy the people of God and the purposes of God can succeed. And because God's covenant love of Israel will be fulfilled and it is being fulfilled. And the message for us is this, while we're going through life and trying to make sure that we fix all the little pieces of our life, understand this, that there is over and in and above and below your life, the divine architect ordering every detail. And if you belong to him and are in the covenant of his love, he is accomplishing his perfect will and you can rest in that. The Lord is still on the throne. And these are challenging times and challenging days to live in. And, and you can become pretty distressed about the way things are going. The way things are going, the world is chaotic, disconcerting, troubling, disturbing, distressing. And in a lot of ways, frightening. But not so in the kingdom. God is ordering our lives. And for those of us who have belonged to him every part is being ordered. So how wonderful is it to live in that confidence? Father, we are so encouraged by the amazing story we have heard tonight. So thankful that you are the same God today that you were then and all things are being worked together by your power for our good, for eternal glory. That is those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, we thank you that we don't live in a world of random events, but that our steps are ordered by the Lord. We're thankful that you have a plan that is working out for us, and every single detail fits into it and fits into your sovereign purpose. Lord, it's, we know that these things are inevitably leading us to glory in heaven, and thank you for this great Revelation takes all the fear and doubt and questioning out of our life to know that we can live and rest in your peace and your sovereign providence. Pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. I mentioned in the the sermon that uh, that Esther sort of reflects on on what Christ did for us at the cross, and so in reflecting of that. We're going to take communion now. So we'll take the, the bread in remembrance of the body broken for us. As part of God's plan. Jesus' blood was spilled for us and washed us clean of all of our sins. So now we take the fruit of the vine in remembrance of that blood spilled for us. As we leave today after taking communion, I just ask for you all to reflect on the question of. Where are the places in your life where you need to take risk in order to be faithful? It doesn't have to be big, it doesn't have to be massive, it doesn't have to be, your defining moment doesn't have to be putting yourself down or risking your life um, to save the Jewish people, but I think all of us have a defining risk that we need to take in our lives, and I just ask for you to, to seek that.